Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Before we get into this week's edition of the Bloom Files, I wanted to squeeze in a couple of quick seconds and talk about our sponsor for this week, Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Now, if you excuse me, I got some case opening to do. The truth is out there. And here, who knows, but either way, we are getting into it all on the Bloom Files here on Post Show Recaps, an X-Files rewatch slash first watch podcast. Hello, everybody. We're here today to cover three monolithic episodes of the X-Files season two, Dwayne Barry, Ascension, and One Breath. Mike Bloom's name is Mike Bloom. Mike Bloom is joined by Mike Bloom's wife and co-host, Angela Bloom. Hi, Angela. Hi, here I am. Mike Bloom's wife. Ugh, rude. <laughs> what, 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 well, it was, I was making a, a reference to I know, Dwayne I know. Barry's third person speaking. <laughs> so true. So true. Dwayne Barry. Dwayne Barry. I actually read that initially the character's name is going to be Dwayne Gary with a G. Yes. But because there was someone in the FBI repository who had his name, they said, okay, we can't. Yeah, and I guess, person. and also the actor who, like, apparently Chris Carter wrote the role for, was like not into the name Dwayne Barry, but eventually came around. I like Dwayne Barry better than Dwayne Gary. Me too. I, I mean, say- well, I don't know if that's like, uh, like we're saying that after the fact, but mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I don't know. Does the episode play differently or series of episodes if the character's name Dwayne Gary? Would no. Dwayne Gary <laughs> do this type of stuff? Maybe, who knows? Or Dwayne Barry definitely would. Who's to say? Who's to say? So here we are. We we took a dip into the waters, much like Mulder does with his Speedo mm, in the beginning of baby. episode five of season. <laughs> we talked about season two a bit last week with Little Green Men, but this is really our first full on dip into the waters of season two. Yeah. I would also say, is it safe to say this is like our first tackling of a real arc you know, these are, this is definitely I guess a so. I, I mean, some, I think there's something in first, in the first season, but yeah, this is, I think for me, and the reason I selected this as an arc was because for me, this really hit in a way that was like, yes, love the X files, need to continue to watch. I don't know about you, but like previous to now, season one, like you're not always like, okay, let me let Netflix just continue to play. Whereas this, you're like, I need to know what happens. Like you actually do care. Whereas I don't know if that was the case previously. Um, and I will also say that from an arc perspective, I do like that it is one of the few arcs that they have 
or has had already that isn't uh, necessarily alien abduction related. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, to an extent it is, but it's more about the people and their relationships and their emotions than it is like, okay, what's happening with this conspiracy? These were my favorite episodes that we've watched so yeah. far. I loved them, and I totally echo everything that you said, even though I've only seen mm-hmm. a smidge of season one in comparison to you. It, the show was still trying to, I think, find its yeah. voice and find its confidence. Confidence in particular is something that I really felt with these three episodes, where, to your point, in a series that started out with all this talk about aliens and mm-hmm. mysteries and Monster of the Week, that it can take three episodes to say okay, we're going to distill these characters through this situation. Obviously, we had this out-of-show situation happen with Jillian Anderson getting pregnant. Yeah. How do we sort of write around that? Let's make Scully disappear and not in a, oh, she's at a conference out of town, have her literally disappear and see how the characters reconcile with that. And it was moving. It was stirring. It introduced a slew of new characters that we're yeah. going to have to talk our way through, both, you know, characters that apparently had been part of the series beforehand that I haven't seen yet and new characters entirely it, for both of us. And I will say it also affects the series as a whole. And you'll find this out. But there are things that happen in the in all of these three episodes that affect not only Mulder's character, but Scully's character and plot. Oh, points. yeah. I mean, I would imagine... I Not mean, from, like, just a psychological perspective, but, like, this is a beginning of an arc for Scully that, like, is series long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would imagine it's a pretty life-changing moment, whether the jury's still out about whether it was an alien abduction or a military right. abduction or some sort of hybrid between the two. But it does seem like, even though she doesn't remember it, probably a seminal traumatic moment in her life that I'm imagining is going to get explored in future episodes. Yeah. So, I mean, we have three episodes to talk through. Let's let's just get right into it. And apologies if we are not going to be as scene by yeah. scene probably as, as we were in these past couple episodes. Because we don't want to keep you all here for too, too long. We know you have places to go, trams to get on to, to go trams up the mountain on, and do yeah. your skiing. <laughs> Ascend to the stars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's let's start with Dwayne Barry. Should be noted. Chris Carter's directorial debut, not only mm-hmm. on the X-Files, but in life. Which is wild. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good on the show for saying, okay, if you want to do this, go ahead. And it, it seemed like he wrote the episode as well. So I think he had a very clear vision of how he wanted things to go. Well, and, and it seemed like it carried out. Yeah. And it seems like from my perspective and the little research I've done prior to now and what I know is that he wrote this episode. This seems like him taking all of the things that inspired the show, like mm-hmm. alien abductions, like weird stories and putting them into one episode. So, you know, he's inspired by, we talked about a little bit, the Phineas Gage stuff, which mm-hmm. for that, anybody that, that'll, that'll make a big appearance. Yeah. In the first and for episode. anybody that doesn't know Phineas Gage, it's a, a sort of a medical mystery type situation where this guy was shot in the head and they explained in the episode, but it basically affected his personality by messing with his, I don't know, some sort of frontal cortex, frontal cortex, which like helps you understand like, um, having a conscience, basically not being a sociopath. He lost his Jiminy Cricket, essentially. (laughs) He lost his Jiminy Cricket. And I guess also Chris Carter included in this some stories that he had heard and kept on to, you know, like he had a neighbor that apparently claimed they were abducted by aliens and had holes drilled in their teeth so he he included that in this story too which i thought was kind of weird well let's drill down into the eponymous Dwayne barry episode because we start with Dwayne barry i do want to focus a bit on this 
cold open as we go back to 1985. Mm-hmm. Springsteen, Madonna, way before Nirvana. <laughs> there was U2 and Blondie. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you kill me, Bloom. <laughs> so here we are in Pulaski, Virginia with Dwayne Barry and his doggo. Seemed like he was living in like some sort of, I don't know, house undergoing a renovation, right? Because there's like plastic sheeting on the Yeah, walls. or it's just he lives in garbage. I don't know. Or he lives in garbage. <laughs> yeah, he's like dirty. Or he's Oscar the Grouch. Or he's Oscar the Grouch. in some sort of house being constructed. It's possible. But we see him just sort of lying in bed, mindlessly scrolling through the TV, and we see a bunch of bright lights Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of outright alien figures. Yeah. And so we have really progressed. Even we just as, jumped into it. Even from the, the last episode we watched. Of, well, oh, here's the silhouette yeah. in the door. Now, obviously, the big question from this episode is going to be, is this really something that Dwayne Barry, you know, experienced? Uh, experienced or is, is this just an entire construct? So this could all be images in his mind. Well, and I do think we come to the conclusion that it's partially in his mind, partially not in his mind. In that, yeah, like, some, some somebody took him. Were the people that took him uh, aliens that look like aliens from Spice World, or were they... <laughs> what a pull! Or, <laughs> I always remember them. Or was it the military? Was it these men in black suits? You mm. know, and I think he kind of realizes that it's not... You know, I think these are his nightmares. This is yeah. what he like feels like. Well, yeah, because he how says, he's picturing it. He says not again. I know that Spencer, who's, who's a prolific feedback giver here on the Bloom Files said something about how he felt like the opening scene was pure nightmare fuel. Yes. Basically because he talks about uh, experiencing what's known as sleep paralysis where yeah. you, you wake up but your body hasn't woken up yet. I haven't experienced it. I know I know I have. you have. Yeah. What's that what's that feeling like? I mean it's it, like you are awake but you cannot move. Mm-hmm. And so and sometimes you're also for me at least I'm you're in a situation where you're half out of sleep half in sleep so you um, you can't move, but you're still within like a nightmare situation. So like you, I, and I think that I have this issue a lot where like I'm half in, half out of sleep where Mike will attest to this, but I often see things in the room like that we're Specifically in. Specifically cameras. Yeah. Yes. I, now I'm, now I'm watching the X-Files. I'm really putting two and as to the paranoia. I, I think that like I'll wake up during the night, but like I'm not actually awake and it's like still part of the dream where like I'm being watched mm-hmm. and like and then Mike will sometimes find me like standing up on the bed trying to like get the cameras. Yeah, or there'll be times where you just the, sit up in the middle of the yes. night gasping. Yeah, you know that life's hard. Yeah, <laughs> so luckily, hopefully, you haven't had dreams where no, lights have no. signed off and a bunch of. In real life, these are apparently child actors in the alien. They are, which they, I saw and I thought that was funny. They're not, you know, tall, gangly aliens like yes. we're used to as soon as the last episode yeah these these are more so like you said they're the uh, shorties yeah, like the movie trolls when they would like put you know uh shorter actors in these, on the dance floor yeah, in these halloween costumes and have them traipse yes. around yes exactly but we find out after the, the the opening credits which i believe i did take notice that the truth is out there is not here in this episode i think it's deny everything mm-hmm. or it's either that one or the next one but that's obviously very pertinent yes for this especially once scully gets taken and Mulder really starts to attempt to you know break his way into right. conspiracies that may or may not be going on so we find out Dwayne barry is institutionalized yeah he's messed up but he's gonna break out pretty damn quickly he's gonna take this weird looking doctor who looks like rail thin speaking of phineas gage with like a salt and pepper yeah. beard well because what happens is that Dwayne barry has this 
has this dream. And according to him, when he has this dream or he has this vision, it means that they're coming back to get him. Mm -hmm. And so when he's sitting with the doctor, he's telling the doctor this and the doctor doesn't believe him. And he's just like, well, I'm not going back. So I'm going to take this doctor and they're going to take him. Yeah. So So he's able to, you know, basically get his way. The first episode is going to have many Dwayne Berry works his way out of seemingly escapeless situations. Yeah. So he essentially takes the doctor hostage in a travel agency. Well, yeah, so he's trying to escape, but he can't remember where the aliens abducted him Mm -hmm. from. So he goes to a travel agency to try to find it. And that's where this the whole episode starts with, I think, what you might think is like a very basic, like kind of FBI type situation. It's a hostage negotiation. Right. The fact that there's an alien abduction situation there is, is why Mulder is brought in, because they think that he can help them negotiate by understanding what Dwayne Barry's talking about. In no way do you right from the beginning of this think that it's going to be much more than this mm-hmm. one episode that's a hostage situation. You know, you think yeah. that's it. Yeah, and that's what I love as well is that I think if you're going in and you know this is a big arc episode, you're sort of wondering to your point, okay, how does this tie going? in? Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like a bottle episode taking place in a travel agency. Angela Let's talk about Alexander Krychek. Oh boy, here we go. We get introduced. I mean, we got we find out a lot about him in, oh, these, in these two episodes. But talk, talk. Not a about, fan. Not a fan. Well, I don't think we're supposed to be a fan. No, but in general, he's, uh, I think he's a bad. He's a bad, but he's also a bad that was inserted in a way that just like is not satisfying it's to me. It's very clear he's supposed to be like a transition Scully. Yeah. So he is someone that we will. Um, see a lot, and I think that. Oh, interesting! I thought you, he was like oh, done, no. done. Oh no, no, no! And I think maybe that's why I have like a little bit more of a insight into why I don't like this guy. But mm-hmm. he he becomes like one of the show's primary antagonists. Interesting, and I think also it's very complicated because he. You, we skipped an episode in this season where he is assigned to Mulder as his new partner. Okay. The X-Files are not opened yet. Right. Cause, cause that's what yes. gets opened, uh, the conclusion of, I want to say that this episode, no, Ascension, I think is where yeah, the, Skinner at opens the, end of the X-Files yeah. out of, out of retribution, uh, yeah. from the cigarette smoking man. So, so Mulder got taken off the tape listening then at some point. Yeah, I think so. I think basically like they're like, okay, well, let's use him and Mulder is assigned Crycheck and Crycheck appears to be just like a good old boy, like somebody who is your classic FBI rule follower, mm-hmm. just a junior agent who's just really eager to help out. But, you know, as the arc of these couple episodes continues, you realize that that's like total bullshit and he's like actually working for the cigarette smoking man as well as you know, the U.S. government, you know, it's like it's a he's part of the cover up. He's part of the conspiracy. Um, And he also is somebody who will play a pivotal role in some future bad situations, some future deaths, I'll say. Interesting. Does it come back with like an alternate name? Because the considering it, they they find out in the, in the next episode. Oh, no, yeah, he just correct. leaves. Oh no, he doesn't come as an agent. He's never an agent at the FBI oh, so he's just again. Just like a rando guy now. Yeah, he's like part of the the bad of it all. And okay. he's also like, I mean, I don't know if you can tell by his last name. He Russian. I don't know if you remember me talking about how much I hate the Russian yeah, stuff. The Russian influence was <laughs> yeah. definitely there. Is he? I mean, no, 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 don't don't answer the question. I, I wonder if we'll find out if he's a native Russian or if it just comes in. Well, the, last name I think only. the actor is. To an extent. Okay. You know? Okay. So, but anyway, the two of them seem like they're going on a relatively mm-hmm. rote mission at the moment. Where all Mulder is essentially brought in to be is sort of the conduit 
between the FBI, which uh, CCH Pounder, who I think is on one of the NCISs nowadays or something, <laughs> plays this sort of yeah. like kind of belligerent FBI boss who basically tells Mulder like, okay, no spooky stuff, okay? You're in there to just pose as a friend of Dwayne Barry. Yeah, honestly, I love this lady. I feel like <laughs> no this, nonsense. she's no nonsense, but she also like is somebody similar to Scully where like if she's given facts, like she's given facts, like at the end when she's like telling him about how um he like did have drill bits in, mm-hmm. or drill holes in him. Um, but yeah, I love her. She's great. She's like Mulder. And then she just like shakes her head like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, because of course, when <laughs> he you, doesn't follow the rules, yeah, you bring Mulder into anything. You can't expect him to follow rules, especially like you so think- he, he can't follow rules. He can't. So, you know, he's just Mulder. Exactly. But you think, oh, he's been castrated. Now he's he's, you know, a regular agent. Maybe right. he'll follow the rules. No. Of course not. Especially if there's aliens involved. And especially, especially if Dwayne Barry is a former federal agent. Yeah, so they send Mulder in and without telling him this, and he goes in to just help with the negotiation, but realizes very quickly that, you know, on the phone with Dwayne Barry that he is former FBI. Yeah, so he, he parrots back. What are the four steps? Was hostility? I know we kept trying to we kept trying to grab this and resolution, like, HCCR. I know that as an HR person, Angela, does this does a hostage negotiation tactics, does this compare that doesn't, to the workplace? That, that also is not something that we handle under the <laughs> HR umbrella is hostage negotiation. Really? I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you're surprised because it's <laughs> ideally we don't have that scenario within the workplace. But I'm oh, assuming you had hostage training just in case the scenario well, like comes mediation up. training. But exactly. So that's part of the containment and resolution. I guess so, but not the hostage bit. Yeah. So <laughs> some weird stuff happens, right? The power blows at a certain point. It seems yeah. like that's it's not something that Dwayne Barry did. It's no. something completely separate, but it does. Well, I think keep- they blow the power. You think that the police blows the power? Yeah, so that they can get the camera in and they can get things in and stuff like that. That's my theory. Yeah, so you think this is like Die Hard where you yeah. have sort of uh, Mulder as the owl being like, don't do this. And then they're like, no, it doesn't matter. We're going to cut the power. This is what we're supposed sure. to do. Sure. But I mean, it does cause one of the hostages to get shot because mm-hmm. Dwayne Barry is so paranoid about that. And so... Mulder gets put from phone duty to actually getting sent um, in. He's- something I'd like to discuss are Mulder's different looks. This mm. is paramedic Mulder Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> I will also say Mulder going from the flat hair of season one. Oh, man, it got so perky in it, these episodes. It's, it's so like, spiky. It's like it, a hedgehog. It's. I think that what happened was after seeing how your hair reacts when we do this is like grown out buzz cut a little bit. Yeah, we're like it's kind of at an awkward length where it's kind of sticking out. And I don't know if that was a choice or if that was like a David to Coveney, like during the off season, got a buzz cut and it just like grew out a little weird. Mm-hmm. But at any point, it does seem like Mulder, I don't know, maybe it symbolizes that he is sort of growing into his new role as maybe. it were, but it doesn't fit him properly, much like a sure. an odd haircut in, in its middle stages. Sure. Perhaps. Um, but it is interesting that a bright light goes off and Mulder makes note that they do lose time. But yes. you talked about in the pilot. So, mm-hmm. so were, were there aliens involved then in this? I'm not sure. Or if I'm not sure. So it's possible, but I have a feeling it's more that he like, uh, is trying to get on Dwayne Barry's side. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if they actually did leave, like lose time, but, um, I think that they, he's still, he's just trying to become his friend so they can, yeah. you know, even though that's, what he was told explicitly not to do. No, but you get, Mulder's got to find a BFF here, especially because he feels like Dwayne has 
information if yes. this is indeed accurate that Mulder's always wanted, which is he has has tried to find and sit down with people who have been abducted by aliens, much like his sister. And he hasn't before. And now is an opportunity to do so if his information is verified. That's the thing is like Mulder's more than willing to go in here and play along with this, but also hoping that it's true because then he'll get information out of it. Exactly. I also want to make note that as we were watching this episode, you did make a note that Dwayne Barry has a, quote, very simian face. Oh, no, I'm so judgy. <laughs> what, what did you mean by that? That he looked like a, a, a caveman? Yeah, like he has a very caveman face. And I think it doesn't help that he talks in these, like, sort of... um sentences that are not fully complete mm-hmm. you know Dwayne Byrie and all that stuff so I don't know I think that he he comes across a little caveman-ish do you think it's because he got if he got abducted and experimented on maybe then that sort of evolutionarily potentially regressed his mind a bit and not his jaw though that's that's just him that's strong strong as heck so Dwayne Barry goes into a little bit about his own experience at least how he perceives it right and we see some odd stuff painful tests things like that yeah Yeah. this is another instance where we're not sure if this is Dwayne Barry's memory or if this is real if this is what actually happened and this is the quality of the television show the X-Files that I love yeah where where he's like he's lying on this weird light table and yeah but like I'm saying that I love that the X-Files does this that they show you something but they don't tell you if it's if it's meant for you to see as reality as Mm -hmm. a viewer or if it's meant for you to see as a memory of the character and memories of characters can be whatever they want you know it could be right it could be wrong and you never know that so that's this is constant with the x-files is they've shown me something is it real and i've seen it as a viewer and i now know that secret and Mm -hmm. nobody else really knows that because they they didn't see it or is it a memory and a flashback that you know something happened well in one breath we're really going to get into how much they like to play with what exists in the mind as both metaphor and very lively, unrealistic imagery. So, I mean, there's some really interesting stuff going on here. I noticed that the lines that were on the table that Dwayne Berry mm-hmm. was on, it looked like um the Vitruvian Man, the Leonardo yeah, yeah. sort of like bisecting human anatomy. Yeah, very interesting cool aesthetic to this section where it's like, this is, and this is going to be something we see in another episode, the next episode with Scully, but it's like, is this is now canon as to where they take people when they abduct them. Yeah, and including their big ass scary drill. Yeah, this part always like it really was really scary. It was really scary. And it also just like is like kind of makes your stomach hurt. It's like when mm-hmm. somebody Or your teeth hurt. Yeah, it's like when somebody puts their nails and scratches the wallpaper or whatever. <laughs> you know how I feel about scratching yeah, our, our walls. Our son has now decided uh, to do that specifically. He looks at me and drags his nails down the wall. So vindictive. <laughs> He's so vindictive. But um, yeah, it's a similar to that. It's like that sense of you're feeling it by watching it. And it's blah. Yeah. It's blah. I, but I really love how it cuts from that to someone drilling a hole into the wall. Yes. To sort of <laughs> it's a great little flashback to reality mm-hmm. so Scully gets involved because I believe that Mulder gets yeah. on the phone with her before he goes in right to essentially be like yeah this this is uh this might be the real deal and so Scully has flown yes. down there basically after finding out that Mulder is now basically a hostage yeah and she point. also re- finds out about how Dwayne Barry got the way he is you know understanding you know that he was shot in the head and that it affected his memory and he's like he actually does have a very large psychological problem mm-hmm 
Not to say that that um, says he it, for Mul- for Scully that means that Mulder is getting like catfished almost like <laughs> this is like a alien abduction catfish uh, for Mulder. But exactly for Mulder, he says even if that's true, it doesn't mean that what happened to him isn't true. So, but she comes down there and she she sort of barges her way in and you know explains to them what happened and. And that, um, you know, he, this person's not who Mulder thinks he is, that he's a pathological liar. Um, but, uh, anyway, against, uh, the attention of the, uh, agents on hand, Mulder does, uh, negate what he's supposed to do. And he says he believes Dwayne Barry, which is bad. Yeah, exactly. But this is actually very similar to sort of what Scully did with Max. Right. Of essentially yes. going to Mulder with, uh, uh, from a medical perspective and saying, listen, you might think this guy is true, but there's this, these other reasons that but might you have to believe. consider too. It's like, exactly. she's not saying it's not true, but she's saying you need to consider these things. Also, I feel like it's, uh, you know, for Mulder, he's still not convinced. It's just, you know, I think that Scully's always worried about him that he falls too deep for these things. We should also note that in addition to seeing child costume wearing aliens, mm-hmm. Dwayne Barry also apparently sees a couple of rando yes. white guys in suits as well, which has led him to believe that it's not just aliens who abducted him, but somehow the government and the military yes. are in on it as well. Yeah, that it's both. Yeah. And I know that Spencer wrote in to basically say how much of a game changer that mm-hmm. is that in this, the first season. And we experienced this a bit as well, that it was more about singular antagonists, yes. right? That it was, oh, there are aliens or it's the government through the cigarette smoking man. Right. But what Dwayne Barry is insisting here is that no, 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 it's all connected. Yeah. They're working together. And I can and that's, that's the gonna problem. Be, that's going to be a, a very critical idea moving forward for the show. Oh, for sure. That's like the main arc of the show is that there are aliens and that the government has plans with them, for them, around them that the public doesn't know about. And how do you uncover that? And what's the truth and what's not the truth and all of that? Yeah, so things get to a little bit of a tense standstill for Mulder and Dwayne, where basically Dwayne freaks out on Mulder saying, you don't believe me, you're just like one of them. And so sadly, regretfully, Mulder's like, all right, walk towards the door, go ahead and get captured by the police. He gets shot. Mm-hmm. Doesn't die though. Yeah, no, you were surprised. I was surprised considering it looked like he got shot in the chest. Well, and I think that sort of, uh, you know, goes back to what we were saying at the beginning is that this does seem like it should be a one and done situation. Yeah, if, if, this, if this was, you know, if they didn't have the whole Jillian Anderson getting pregnant storyline and this was a monster of the week episode, then 100% he dies here and you have this scene of Mulder saying, Oh, I thought I found someone. Yeah. Who had, you know, for sure. Just like Samantha, but evidently. At this moment, no, Dwayne Barry's got more stuff to do. Yeah, definitely. And we'll, we'll find out a little bit about that. But first, Scully's got to go to the store. Yeah. So basically, after all this is done, we find out a bit more about Dwayne Barry, right? He was. Yes, that uh, he, he did have drill holes in his teeth. Mm-hmm. They pulled several metal implants out of him, one of which Scully takes to get examined. Mulder gives it to her. Sort of. I think she, she finds like a, a barcode sort of imprinted on the edges of it. And I don't think she went to the grocery store. No, no, she doesn't. She doesn't. She, she brings it to the, the lab and they say, oh, it could be like a, um, some sort of shrapnel and we're just seeing like the barcode that's on right, it or something. Because, because Dwayne Berry had said that he had gotten implants where he got it in his sinus cavities, in his yeah. belly button and in his teeth. Uh-huh. And the, the reason why shrapnel was uh, given as a possibility was because the whole situation where Dwayne Berry was dismissed from the FBI in the first place is because yeah. he was shot in the brain 
while on an assignment. And then after that, he was never the same. Yes. He left his wife, left his so, kids, left you know, his house. Scully does think that this is probably just shrapnel, but she, when she takes it to the lab, they do see some sort of barcode and, and the guy says, like, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, so it's Scully... It's like, because it's so tiny. Scully goes to the store. You wanted to make a note that she gets what? She gets a few things. She a gets box, a lot of stuff. Some juice, some pickles. She gets at, l- at least $25 worth of things, if not more. And it comes to eleven fourteen. Wow, and the nineties were totally so a different time. Rude. Inflation but- <laughs> had not reared its ugly head yet. Unless Scully's going to like the super cheap OG yeah. store. But I also want to flag here that she did pay with a check. Yeah. Classic nineties. Yeah, that's I don't know. Scully is acting like a woman who is like three times her age in that moment of let me pay for my eleven dollar fourteen yeah, well, grocery bounty. In the nineties, if you didn't have cash, did you use a credit card? If you if you didn't have a credit card did you use it? I don't think you used a debit card. I, I, yeah, I guess at that time, credit cards, I feel like were more so used in a retail way mm-hmm. with the whole manual swiping machine. I don't know if they were used in all grocery stores, especially and ones she that might had- not have a credit card. It might just be something she doesn't have. Like, yeah. or she only uses for big purchases and she didn't have cash. Or she, I remember my mom writing checks in the supermarket for $11 no, and 14 cents though, but she didn't have any cash. So she had a check. Well, uh, evidently Scully might've gotten away with it for free yeah. because while the, the cashier goes to, I don't know, I guess make sure yeah, she's like, bye for the day. No, yeah. she like takes her drawer with her, <laughs> but Scully says, all right, let me, uh, let me scan this thing. And the scanner freaks out. Like yes. it's the opening credits of the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes wild. Um, so Scully's, so what is this thing? You know, yeah. what is it? So she's going to go home to ruminate on that, but she's going to have a pursuer soon because as Dwayne Barry has been hospitalized, he's awake. Spencer mm-hmm. made a note that it's odd that especially someone in police custody was not restrained at all yes. to the gurney. Yes. Considering that he is now able to just get up. Well, and walk I, I out. have a feeling they thought he was like too, he had just gone through surgery. Like, probably too weak to get up and if he had been a normal person with less psychological damage it, it's possible he wouldn't have gotten up but he gets up he, he gets leaves up, he, has, he has the strength to brain a cop in the head with a fire extinguisher yeah that was a little rough that's that's tough and so scully is is calling Mulder, leaving a message and who's outside her window yeah that was scary that's a, that part really gets me also just the message as she leaves, she mentions that it looks like the implant was a barcode that is meant to catalog him. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's important because I do feel like that's a really large aspect of the arc for the aliens is why are humans being cataloged right. by and, the military slash alien yeah, experiment? Yeah, and, and experimented on, particularly when it comes to this idea, again, yes. of, of genetic therapy. Yeah. Brennan Fitzpatrick made an interesting note. How did Dwayne Barry know where Scully lives. It's a great question. Don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe he looked it up in the <laughs> phone. Yeah, he might have. He might have. But um, I also think that he is under the impression that the thing that they took out of him was a tracker. Mm-hmm. And Scully has it now, so he wants to make sure that Scully's the person that they take. That's interesting because he does talk early in the episode about what, uh, he calls it mind scan, yes. I think, where essentially mm-hmm. the aliens talk to him telepathically yeah so maybe in that moment yeah the aliens were like oh we got a ping from this address why don't you go find her yeah so he i think that that's maybe how he finds her but it's a little unclear and here we are to be continued Mulder. i need your help and so this is help me fox Mulder. you're my only hope yes i i, I can imagine this is probably one of the first 
to be continues outright in, in the X-Files. Yeah, history. I don't remember if it is or not, but I'm sure somebody will let us know. I think that also this was one of those things when I watched it for the first time that I was like, oh my God. I was yeah. like, is Scully going to be okay? Like I was generally, and it also really pulls at your heartstrings when she calls Mulder and Mulder doesn't answer. And then no, later you... No, his answering machine. And then later you see him listening to the answering machine and yeah. your, your heart just hurts. It's just like, oh, moldy. Yeah, so that's how we start episode six, Ascension. Seamless segue here. So the police at this moment are already searching Scully's place. Do we get a sense as to how long it had been since her abduction this entire... I think a couple hours, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, it does seem like it's still nighttime. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if, like, you know, he just d- didn't go home right away, got home, and like, by the time he got home, it would it had already happened. I have a feeling the neighbors called the police. That's my feeling. There was some sort of third-person referring man standing outside my neighbor's window. And yes. Because, so Dwayne Barry... Scully's gone, her car's gone, Dwayne Barry's gone. And so yeah. this, this entire middle episode of the trilogy is going to be the hunt for Scully and Dwayne Barry. Yeah, and I mean, there's like a lot of evidence at her apartment that it was a bit of a rough situation. Yeah, I, I like the CSI Mulder thing. Yes. Where, again, I don't know if this is the actual course of events or not, but he's looking at the trace evidence and he's sort of playing out in his head how the, the struggle commenced yeah. at the end of last episode. I think we're supposed to think that's what happened. Like, I don't think that that's meant to be just what Mulder thinks. I think it's meant to show us what happened. So, as Mulder is leaving the crime scene, he runs into brand new character, I imagine? Mrs. Scully here? Yes. So, we do meet Mrs. Scully, Scholar, <laughs> Mrs. Scully prior in an episode that I, we didn't watch right, called I, Beyond the Sea. Which we'll talk about much more, I think, in the yes, last episode. Yes. And today. I do think that you, uh, eventually should watch Beyond the Sea. It was one of the ones that was like really hard for me to cut because I do feel like it is just a really good episode from a character perspective. I think mm-hmm. you'd really like it. But um yeah, you do meet her there. You do not meet um the sister in Beyond the Sea. The the sister shows up here for the first time. So um but yes, we meet Mrs. Scully. Um but I don't think Mulder has met Mrs. Scully yet. Yeah, and I would also imagine Mrs. Scully has this really interesting comment about how, oh, I've had these dreams about Dana being taken away. Yeah. I was going to call her. Not sure what to make of that. <laughs> I don't think this is hinting towards powers. I feel like this is No, more, no, it's not at this, all. This feels more like a, a gut thing. Like This a- is how Dana Scully is always saying that she um, has faith and believes in things. I mm-hmm. think it's more of a religious thing for them than it is a... Um, then it is like a magical thing. Plus, I also think that sometimes, especially I can imagine as a parent, you have that of like something in my gut tells me that something's going on. It might just be a sense of things that yeah. it's not necessarily supernatural. Just totally. Maybe more so a, a blood connection, yeah, like if you will. ESPN. <laughs> exactly. ESPN. <laughs> so now we get Skinner involved here because things have now officially turned federal with the the, the yeah someone's missing someone's missing it it's um it's a bigger deal so they have to go see skinner yeah and so skinner surprise surprise dismisses Mulder from the case he says i think this is actually very fair like this is like Mulder is getting very worked up about scully being abducted like it's his partner they should have a objective third party being the investigator here not him yeah but Mulder again in true Mulder fashion Mulder's gonna Mulder he doesn't care. So he essentially goes over Skinner's head and he and Crychek are essentially like, uh, we're going to go up there. Yeah. Well, no, he tells Crychek we're going up there. Crychek is basically sent to like keep an eye on him and make mm-hmm. sure he doesn't completely ruin everything. But meanwhile, we do get a check in here on Dwayne Barry, who gets pulled over with Scully mm-hmm. in the trunk. 
And Dwayne Barry, continuing on his murder spree, just yeah. kills a cop. Well, he kills a traffic cop because the traffic cop, like, realizes there's blood and he sees it. Yeah, and Dwayne Barry maybe should have stopped for a second to, like, yeah, take a shower, clip maybe. off your hospital bracelet. Yeah, so he definitely um, doesn't do himself any favors there, and, and he does kill that poor guy. <laughs> so here are Krychek and Mulder on the road. I gotta say, Mulder, look, I know you are overly committed to this. Maybe let Krychek drive. Uh, like, I yeah. know Krychek is going to ultimately be proven to not be on Mulder's side necessarily, but Mulder, he also starts just like telling him a bunch of facts to try to keep him awake. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I, I don't know if it's to keep him awake. I think Krychek's just like he just seems like the Jonathan Lipnicki of the FBI yeah. at this point, just giving a bunch of factoids about. Did you know sleep deprivation caused all these nuclear catastrophes? Well, he does say, "I'm just trying to keep you awake, man." Yeah, but Mulder essentially says they're so boring, you're you're putting me to sleep. Yeah, exactly. So they reach, they end up. Um, we should say the reason why they end up on this trail right. is because. Mulder remembers that Dwayne Barry specifically used the the term ascending to the stars yeah. when talking about his abduction. Mm-hmm. And Mulder's like, where did I hear that from? Let's go to the yellow pages. I guess it was a jingle, maybe, or a motto yeah. that got stuck in his head from listening to these commercials because it turns out he was quoting an ad for Skyland Mountain. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're they're following him to Skyland Mountain and they also um, hear a report that there was a traffic cop killed, and so they know exactly where he went. Yeah, so they make their way to, I guess they're the headlining tram of Skyland Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Take our tram. It's an aerial tramway. Haven't you ever done that before? I have not. Oh, no. really? I think it's a New York thing to do it like in the summer or, you know, like in the spring. They'll have the trams working at these mountains mm-hmm. for you to like ride up the mountain, like White Face Mountain. But it's and, not for like a skiing or snowboarding thing. No, it's thing. not for a skiing or snowboarding thing. It's just for like the, um, the fun of riding up a mountain on a tram. <laughs> I don't know why you don't think that's fun. I know you didn't fun. mean to make it sound sarcastic, but just the listening to it made it feel sarcastic. The fun it's, of riding up a mountain on a tram. I don't... It, it's like going to Epcot and riding in that thing. You get to, like, ride up and, like, look at stuff. It's fun. Well, it's not going to be so fun for no, Mulder here. definitely not. Because, well, Mulder's also being a huge dick yeah, here. So Mulder <laughs> gets here and the tram operator says, well, we just had to replace the cable. We are not... Yeah, they just, just refit, they just refit the cable and they haven't tested it yet. And so. Mulder pulls a gun on him. <laughs> yeah, a little says, aggressive. I'm g- Listen, I don't care if it kills me. I'm going to get in this damn tram. Yeah. To the point where he also purposely locks Krychek out of the tram saying you need to make sure that this guy doesn't stop the tram and mm-hmm. sabotage me from getting to the top of the mountain Mulder if Big you mistake. only knew the saboteur was the very person you were speaking to well yeah and I think we also see before they leave for the mountain that Krychek makes a phone call and says that Mulder like they know where the plan is and they know where he's going so we find out that he was talking with the smoking man but um, he, he lets him, he's like letting it be known that, you know, we're getting some hints already that he's maybe not on his side. So here comes Mulder. It's speed, but in a tram, he's pumping it past its limits. <laughs> yes. And basically, you know, at, at a cer- certain point, Mulder forbids the, the, the protests of the tram operator and cry check knocks him out and he stops the tram yeah. to stop Mulder from getting to the top. But Mulder be damned, he's going to pull 
out of harness and Wild. try to pull the beginning of Ace Ventura when nature calls and try to like manually make his way across the line to get to the top of the mountain. Yeah, this was a little wild to me. I mean, I don't know. I think he was just so desperate. Like he really just wanted to get to the top of the mountain. But, uh, and you know, eventually Crytrick just starts the tram up again and it's like going to squish him. Like, I yeah. don't know what his goal was there. I mean, that's, I can imagine Mulder's inner monologue has to be oh crap oh crap oh crap oh crap when yeah. he starts the the tram back up but eventually he does stop it and and Mulder is able to get off I I think that Krychek should have done like the whole stop start stop yes, start thing yes. to to literally shake Mulder off well and it's weird too because I do think that Krychek is told not to kill Mulder like that's not his goal he's just told told to like hold him up but it does kind of seem like he's willing to kill Mulder here <laughs> what was Dwayne Barry's initial plan because i know that the tram operator said at a certain point yeah i saw this guy he wanted to get on the tram but it's out of order was he gonna take the bound and gag scully <laughs> it's into a great the question tram? i just, don't know i don't know i mean i guess this tram operator ends up escaping with his life because you yeah, can imagine maybe. that db would kill yeah. this guy in a second yeah probably so i guess that guy did get off lucky there but yeah his plan was to bring scully to the top of the mountain to get abducted so I guess he was going to take her in the tram. Yeah, well, Mulder's attempts at being Jack Bauer, which I guess this does feel like a 24 episode and that it does take place over the course of a day. They're too late, though, because by the time Mulder gets there, the car's abandoned. Scully left her cross necklace behind. I know Spencer made an effort to point out that, you know, we've talked about the cross necklace Mm -hmm. before, specifically when she was taken by tombs back in uh, the third episode that we watched. Yeah. it really is sort of a representation of Scully's herself, not yeah, just yeah. like her, her, her system of belief. And it's also how he feels about her, how Mulder, it's like a symbol of like his like love for her, whether it's friendship, love or, you know, platonic or romantic, whatever, who cares? It's his, it's his dedication to her as a human being. It's, it represents like how he does feel about her. So whenever the, the cross is missing or you know she's not wearing it or she gives it to Mulder. it's mm-hmm. like really symbolic it's very much you know arwen and aragorn and the evening star <laughs> it represents her immortality it represents her immortality well, at least at, at this point because <laughs> you could assume that maybe in a different type of show scully would die right yeah now. and her also this is a big portion of her faith is another thing that's explored during beyond the sea you know that she does have this really large um you know background and and faith in um, God or a plan or something like that. And so it's hard for, you know, Mulder to, to get that initially because she is such a skeptic, but he realizes her faith is just different than his faith and, and it's useful in its own way. So Mulder has come too late. Dwayne Berry is exalting yeah, in like celebration laughing. because, well, cause like you said, essentially his goal this entire time was essentially to like, he not was, be abducted. He was it in this game of tag with yes. the aliens. He had, and he has not been able to tag someone out for such a long time. And now he was finally able to. And so he feels like he's free. There's a moment when a bunch of bright lights come on, but they're not aliens. Can we assume, I guess they were what helicopters from the yeah, government? So, so I, they're, they're helicopters, but it's unclear whether they're not from the FBI though. They're like mm-hmm. the military people. Right. Cause then DB sees these, these suit Clayton guys yes. and freaks out again. Mm-hmm. And then Mulder in turn freaks out on his own when he finds yeah. all these blood and hair. He on needs Dwayne's to calm down. <laughs> he is so aggro and he's going to continue to be aggro going into the beginning of this, the third and episode. I know that it's meant to articulate his feelings about Scully and his feelings about how he doesn't think that it's fair that she was put in this situation because he didn't really like, he didn't prep her for it. She didn't want, 
she didn't deserve this. Mm-hmm. So I think that he just gets so worked up about it, whereas he might not do that if it wasn't Scully. But yeah, and maybe also if this was written now, it wouldn't be so aggressively testosterone-y, but... Um, oh, that's my favorite pizza topic. Yeah, but um, it is, and he's pretty pretty aggro. <laughs> yeah, and Dwayne Berry does apologize, but I believe that's a, a wrap on the titular character, Dwayne Barry. That's, that's the last appearance that he makes in this trilogy of episodes. Yes. Yeah. Cause he, um, he does die in a few minutes, but before he dies, um, Mulder is taken out of the room by Krychek. Krychek, uh, the rest of the FBI shows up. Krychek is sent to go keep an eye on Dwayne Barry. Mm-hmm. Because, um, because Skinner basically pulls Mulder aside to once again for the umpteenth time yeah. shoo him out. But I guess like prior to that, um, Mulder finds Krychek in the room with Dwayne Barry and asks what was going on. And he says, Oh, he was gagging. And Krychek makes it seem like Mulder like was choking him. And it, it was like, too well, Mulder, much. Mulder does choke he him. He does, but he makes it seem like he did too much. And he says, Oh, he was gagging. And then he, he says, but he's fine. But clearly while he was in there, Krychek poisoned him. Yeah. So Dwayne Barry's going on about this stuff. And Mulder says, this Fox Mulder going to have to choke a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we do get this really on blip of a scene where Scully is seemingly on a ship, yep. right? There's, mm-hmm. there's a drill. There is some sort of odd, suction cup thing that appears to be expanding her stomach yeah wild some Which well because like, i well, do think well jillian henderson's pregnant let's, yeah. let's give her the big belly i suppose the previous i think in a previous episode they do talk about what happens during abductions and Mulder does mention that they take women's ovaries that oh, there's like there's more to it than just the teeth thing so i think you're meant to think like oh she's being experimented on in all these different ways so we still get you know, I could imagine in, in another world ascension would just end with this, but we still have a whole epilogue for this episode where Mulder is really demanding to find out what exactly happened yeah. to Dwayne Barry. We get, we find out that he had second degree burns on his face. I'm remembering back to Fallen Angel. Mm-hmm. That's an abduction sign. Yep. And now I have that, that nice little episode in my pocket. Really, uh, heart jerking moment when the mortician says, Oh yeah, Quantico has to, do the autopsy because our lead medical well, investigator so isn't there. The the person that was available to do the autopsy that morning was military because they didn't have anybody from the FBI that was available because typically somebody from the FBI who was available would be Scully. And uh-huh. so Scully's not there to do the autopsy. So Mulder doesn't have access to it because it was done by the military. Yeah. So this is where we get the explicit confirmation that Crycheck was working with the cigarette smoking man yep. or... As Mulder is going to so bluntly put in the next episode, Cancer, Cancer Man. Man. Did Cancer Man ever catch on? Yeah, he says it a few times. It's but but a- did, did the show commit to it, or was it more so like, a, well, Mulder can call him that, but I don't think the fans are going to. No, everyone, he's the cigarette smoking man. So that's like his like name on IMDb, too. Like, that's what he's titled as. Yeah, exactly. So Mulder is really just talking to a wall when he's mm-hmm. affirming to Skinner. Something happened. Uh, you know, there's something going on behind the scenes that happened with Dwayne Barry. And Angela, this is my introduction, at least, yep. to the new Deep Throat known as Mr. X. I know. One of my <laughs> previous pseudonyms before I, know. I became a podcaster. I forgot about that until we were podcasting. But yes, uh, X is what they call him. But yeah, he's a, he has basically been tasked with helping Mulder by Deep Throat, his previous, his predecessor. And this guy is no Deep Throat, though. He is 
kind of an asshole. I don't, I don't like this guy. I want my He's OG just, deep throat. Yeah. Back. The deep throat of old was like so. I, don't I know. think that he was he wasn't very yeah. informative, but he at least had a better he interpersonal was, policy. And he was invested in it. I think that the issue with X is that he's being forced to take on this role. Mm. Whereas Deep Throat wanted to take on the role. Forgive me for being a bit obtuse. The, X reminds me a lot of like Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. He very <laughs> yeah. much has the I'm getting too old for this shit mentality. Yes, like, God that's damn his vibe. Yeah, his vibe is that he's just like he has things um that he needs to accomplish and Mulder is constantly fucking up and getting in the way. Yeah, exactly. So essentially, you know, we, we get his reveal here. Do we know, had he been in previous episodes before this? He is introduced in, I believe the one episode we didn't watch, um, which is, um, I forget. <laughs> okay. So, the just host, a, I think, is, is the his, one that is he's his face a, revealed in that though, because it does seem like they have this scene where he steps into the light in the parking garage. That's always it how seems he like is. a big reveal that okay, now we actually see his face. Yeah, that's always how he is. It's the second episode of this second season where mm-hmm. he's introduced, um, but he doesn't appear on screen until uh, Sleepless, which is two episodes later. So it's okay. like right before this episode, he was he was seen. Um, but he always does that where he like shows up in like a weird, like mysterious way. I kind of want Mulder to say, okay, we know what you look like. Okay. Stop standing in the shadows just for dramatic effect. X. I also read about the character of X was originally intended to be a woman. Um, oh. however, it was replaced by this guy after shooting the first scene with the woman because they felt like it wasn't able to create the right chemistry with the, the other people. Mm. Um, and so it felt like, you know, this guy was a bit better, I guess, but. Um, you know, I think that he's just, uh, he's a predecessor of Deep Throat, but, um, Deep Throat was really selfless. And like, you know, I think that this guy's performance is much more full of his own agenda mm-hmm. rather than the larger picture. Yeah, he more so seems like the guy of, okay, I guess I have to do this today and then I can get back to the rest of my business. Yeah. You know, damn you, Mulder, for, for getting in the way, basically. He seems more like, Plus, he needed to be different. I mean, they didn't want him to be the exact same as Deep right, Throat. Exactly. So. Then it's just a one-for-one replacement. He think I think he seems more shaming of Mulder. Yeah. Than Deep Throat 1.0 did. Oh, totally. So this is when we find out that Krychek has gone MIA. Basically, he's gone now. Mulder is raging against the machine, essentially mm-hmm. telling Skinner, "What are we going to do? Nothing." And Skinner says, "Yep, that's exactly what we're going to do." But you know what we can do? Reopen the X Files because, and yep. I quote, "That's what they fear the most." Yeah, so they fear the most that Mulder's going to find out the truth. So he reopens the X-Files. Um, Crycheck is gone. He's disappeared. And uh, yeah, that's where we leave it for this episode. We get one scene at the end here where Mrs. Scully and Mulder, oh, right, right, despite right. meeting each other for the first time, kind of comfort each other. Well, I imagine there were meetings other than the one that we saw that happened in yeah. between. I don't know. I mean, if if we're considering this has happened over a 24-hour period, maybe they didn't see each other again, considering maybe. how busy Mulder has been. But there's a really sweet moment here, especially as we find out Mulder gets to know Scully's family more yes. in the next episode, where he gives the cross necklace to her, and she gives it back to him, and says, when you find her, you give it to her. I really like this idea that Scully, at least what I'm inferring about this mother character, mm-hmm. is that she, I wouldn't say is the Mulder of the family, but when between this and you find out about her sister, that 
Her family certainly contains Mulder aspects to it of people who are more so they're, focused on, you know, yeah. what's not tangibly in front of you. Well, so you know how sometimes they write families like, oh, the son's like the dad and the daughter's mm-hmm. like the mom. So mm-hmm. in this family, the Scully's sister is more like the mom and Scully's more like her dad in a pragmatic, more realist way. So like her dad was in the military. Her dad wanted her to be, you know, so I think that it's. It's a little bit more blurry than that, but, um, you know, it all melds together at a certain point. And we have what I think is a, is a really beautiful shot at the end so here. So sad. Where Mulder goes back up the mountain. He ascends to the stars and he just solemnly Stairs. looks up at the stars, just wondering where she might have gone to. And we get this final, I would imagine, helicopter shot mm-hmm. of, of Mulder just standing just on the alone. mountain. Contemplative. Yeah, he's alone. He really is. And it's an interesting storyline. I had heard that, especially when we're about to get into one breath, that one of the onuses behind that episode was that David Duchovny essentially wanted his own version of Beyond the Sea. Mm-hmm. And I really like this opportunity to focus more so on Mulder's reactions yes. to Scully's absences. That it's, it's less about, okay, Scully's missing. What's the mystery behind that? And more so, how does that inform the people closest to her? In her life, how do they and how do they, how does that develop her character further as a show too? I think that that was huge and beyond the scene. David Duchovny wants that now. Although I will say, you know, we'll pause before we go into one breath. We'll because, take one breath before we get into one. Breath. Well, there's an episode in between this episode and one breath, um, and it's called Three, and it's my least favorite episode of the series because it wow just, of the series. No, I I mean I I can't say that, but I, it is one of my least more i don't love it as much because it it is just molder and you do really feel this like loneliness and mm-hmm. this sort of like depression and he also like hooks up with a girl in it and you're i, I feel like he's cheating on scully in that instance but he's not <laughs> like I, I did some research on it. i guess this it's the first vampire episode i believe vampire quote unquote it's like a cult of people that drink blood mm-hmm. like for like they think they're vampires type vibe but this is Mulder on his own right there's no yes. pride check it's, it's just Mulder him. on his own and they're in california and it's actually really funny because there's a bunch of forest fires happening and he like ends up like with this woman and like helps, you know, I don't know, but he basically is, um, he's immersing, immersion, immersing, immersing, Im- immersing himself in a, in a, um, in a field assignment to mm-hmm. kind of forget about what's going on with Scully. Yeah. I know that Brendan Fitzpatrick talked about at least at the time. People were raging against that episode. Yeah, that, and that's how you feel when you watch it. You're like, what the what well, the frack? Because you end <laughs> yeah. Ascension with this, and then you take a week off to concentrate on random totally monster cult stuff. Yeah, it's a total like monster of the week episode. And I think that obviously, if they could have done it, they probably wouldn't have included it, and they would have just gone into the next one. But probably from a production standpoint, with her pregnancy, they had to because I mean, we we'll talk about it in a second. But she film scully films one breath like days after giving birth Mm -hmm. so you know they were really tight scheduling wise clearly and they had to have an episode in there that didn't include her so it is what it is but yeah it's one of those ones that's like if we had to talk about episodes to skip that's one (laughs) so let's take our own breath here let's stare up at the stars on top of this podcast mountain and when we come back after a word from our sponsors we're gonna get into one breath Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let's get into episode eight, One Breath. But I guess before we we do this, I don't want to belay the point too much further, but you mentioned Beyond the Sea before, Angela, which I feel like filled in a lot of history of Dana Scully's childhood and her family. So I guess some of that in this episode. Yeah, but I guess it's a bit of a primer to inform what we're going to talk about in this episode. Can you give a quick... Cliff's Notes version for people who haven't watched those episodes in a while or not at all. Yeah, I can give you a Cliff Notes version, but it, it will include spoilers. So in the episode Beyond the Sea, um, it is the episode where Scully's dad dies. He dies of natural causes. I mean, mm-hmm. as natural as I think he has a heart attack. Or but did he? Yeah, I, who knows? But he... um He dies and it's called Beyond the Sea because her and him... um uh, not the band. Um, <laughs> That's the big twist. They were a father-daughter band. I guess they read Moby Dick a lot, and he calls mm-hmm. her Starbuck. She calls him Ahab. Like, it's a whole cute thing. But mm-hmm. she was very attached to her dad. Um, and so there's, you know, some drama to get through there, too, because of the mom and, you know, stuff like that. So the, the background of Beyond the Sea just does establish as well Scully's faith. Um, the beginning of Beyond the Sea, the episode she sees her dad mm-hmm. in her room, like, and then she gets a call from her mom and he's dead. Oh, interesting. Okay. So this is, again, going back to that whole Mrs. Scully. It's not mystical necessarily as much as it is. Yeah. You just get a, a gut feeling. So he was in the military, I'm assuming? He was, yeah. So she's a military brat to some extent, but um, she is someone who, you know... I think went away from what they wanted her to do. So there's some like not bad blood there, but yeah, she's not the black sheep of the family. Maybe. Yeah. Not. Yeah. I mean, and her brother's like the, you know, the golden boy and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And then she has her sister and they're all just so different. But I think that, you know, they wanted her to be a medical doctor and then she joined the FBI and that wasn't like the best thing that they wanted her to do. So, um, yeah, dealing with that as well. So we start this episode, speaking of Scully's home life, very oddly you didn't like it there's this whole it's like a little story shot going through the clouds as we hear mrs scully narrate a, a story about how you know dana was basically peer pressured into shooting at a garter snake with a bb gun and then that's when she sort of learned the expense of taking a life 
where yeah. she has this breakdown. I mean, this feels like very much little Angela Pelagi energy. <laughs> yeah, I Between guess so. The overalls and having a soft spot in your heart for animals. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, I definitely dress like that for sure. But um, yeah, I think that it's supposed to set up to you as well. Not only a little backstory about Dana Scully as a kid and sort of her relationship with her family and how she thinks about life versus death, but also how the show is going to tackle the soul and mm. sort of how the soul is tethered to the body. Cause there's a moment where she, the mom says like, Oh, and, and at that moment, Dana knew that the snake wasn't there anymore. Right. That she, yeah. she actually held the lifeless snake in her hand. And she realized in that moment that not only was it gone, but that she had taken something that was not. Yeah, to take. exactly. Yeah. So there's like this aspect of, um, death, who says when we die, who says when we stay, and then also, like, what is the soul and how does it exist within us? I just thought it was really oddly filmed, but I think... It <laughs> yeah, also I mean, is, it was the 90s. <laughs> but it's also, I think, a good microcosm of what we're going to get into, which is, as I spoke before, lots of unique, abstract symbology yeah, over and this episode. Don't get me wrong. Love this episode. Feel mm -hmm. like it's one of the better episodes of the season of, of not the whole series. It's so great, so put together. But it doesn't age well from a cinematic perspective. Well, we're going to get into some, maybe some some points where you could see production bleeding in yeah. a little bit. The, the concept the green and, screens, and the yeah. character stuff is I would amazing. love to see what they could do with this in today's day and age. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, back then they were limited by what they were limited by. So it's, it's serviceable. Well, speaking of the 90s of it all, let's get into some fashion because I know you have... Fashion. You, were, you really... Got your mind peaked when you saw Mulder's black turtleneck. That he loved it. He looked so good. Just stepped out of a Sears catalog. Yeah, or it was great. Beatnik poet loved Mulder. it. It's a mock turtleneck. First of all, it's not a full turtleneck. Wait, why is it a mock turtleneck? Because mock turtlenecks have the shorter band. A full turtleneck has a long band. So if you half it, it's it's a mock turtleneck. Yeah, that's just what they're called. Have you never heard of a mock turtleneck before? I thought it was more so that it wasn't an authentic turtleneck. Oh you my know? God. Are you being serious? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know how, how much sometimes I have devoted mental capacity to the idea of a mock turtleneck in my life. I thought maybe you were just doing it for the bit, but. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, mock turtlenecks are real. That's what they're called. That's what they look like. Okay. So it's, it's sort of like. It's like a half seat. Yeah. You're not committing. It's half masked turtleneck yeah and often in the 90s they were under things like you had a mock turtleneck under a sweater or something and it kind of stuck out a little bit so this episode's oddness continues that here we have Mulder coming straight out of the beat poet society mm -hmm. he randomly gets a phone call and then rushes into the hospital because scully's been found yeah well prior to that they were talking about um Oh, no, that happens now is like when they talk about what they want Scully, her living will. But mm -hmm. yeah, Scully's been found. They yeah. found her. Nobody and, knows how she got there. Yeah, and but that's she's the thing, there. Mulder, even though he's, I would assume, at least a little excited, he's still in he's, aggro Mulder mode. He is so annoyed. yelling at these nurses. He's going around asking if doctors are Dr. Daly. He doesn't even give them a chance to respond. He just keeps yelling, like, who brought her here? How'd she get here? Yeah. What happened to her? He's just very angry, to, to your point, about the fact that she just showed up out of nowhere. She wants to know. He wants to know who did this to her. That's yeah, going to be his fair. motivator the entire episode. And you know what? I get it. And it is also very bad on the hospital's part that there is a woman in a hospital bed fully hooked up who's been cleaned and admitted and nobody knows who did it. <laughs> so in talking about this episode, the writer Glenn Morgan said, and I quote, 
As I mentioned before, Duchovny challenged us to do a Beyond the Sea for him. The show had been so dark and bleak, and Jim and I felt that there's a side to the paranormal that's very hopeful. We wanted to do that side of it. I thought it would be a great opportunity for Duchovny, but then the situation came up with Jillian's pregnancy. We need to get her off her feet anyway. And I wanted to hone in on that last point because, <laughs> great, if I'm Jillian Anderson, freshly out of the hospital in my own regard due to the birth of my child, all right, fine. I just have to lay on a table for the vast yeah. majority of this episode. Yeah. Bad news, you're going to have a bunch of stuff stuck to your face for the vast majority of it. Yeah, either stuff stuck to your face or just like really looking tragic in a sense of fashion. And also, I mean, I hate to bring this up, but like, it's always, always bothered me about this episode, the way her boobs look like Mm. they and I, I don't know if it's because she's wearing like a super padded bra or something, but they just look like super unnatural. Like I, it, it must be the I mean, costume. It's also, it's also post birth. Yeah, but I mean, they just look really weird. And I think it's just a perspective thing too, with her just like laying flat on the table. But whatever they put her in that dress, the hospital gown, they really like needed to up the undergarment game. I feel like, <laughs> but yeah, she's either laying on a table looking sick or asleep. Or has a bunch of stuff taped to her face because Scully is comatose, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put some stuff on the hospital here because Mulder is asking for trace evidence, and they say, "Well, as soon as we got her, we washed her up." So sorry, any trace? Well, no. Evidence so is gone. they said that when she was she was bathed um, when she was admitted, but the guy that they're talking to doesn't know when she was admitted, doesn't know who admitted her. Yeah. So there's nobody to really blame except that. The hospital had a staff change at some point, and uh, they let the military in to put Scully in a bed, I guess. So this brings up, I guess, I wouldn't say timely issues, but certainly more mainstream issues in the realm of the X-Files, specifically in this idea of the living will. Yeah. Where Scully has made it explicitly clear, essentially, if I'm in a coma, you need to pull the plug. Which yeah. I believe they make mention of, uh, who's, who is that person? There was someone in the eighties who, who had this whole idea. And the doctor talks about it, about how she had her breathing tube pulled out, but she mm-hmm. ended up leaving another eight or nine years. Of course, uh, those of us millennials might remember the case of Terry Schiavo, where it became well, a big politicized issue. And they try, they throw in some fun, like hospital stuff that I don't remember what it's called, but like it basically the guy's like, well, it's very clear that if she dips below a certain number on this scale of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't remember what scale they said, but I was like, there must be some scale of like being in a coma, you know, like qualifiers or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she, yeah, she's, Definitely at the point where, based on her living will, she shouldn't be hooked up. Yeah, Karen Ann Quinlan was the name of, of the, mm-hmm. the woman from the 80s, I believe it was, who had the the big kerfuffle uh, with regards to the, the tube coming out. The tube is not coming out right now. Scully is still hooked up, including what I found an extremely distracting black balloon inflating and deflating. <laughs> yes, but that's how they used to work. Right, but I just think, you know, when you're doing these dramatic oh, to see yeah. a balloon inflating or deflating. Right I don't now, know, I think it kind of set a pulse for the for the scene where it was like, like almost like a heartbeat. Mm-hmm, which in the form of this big black balloon. Correct. But joining Mulder by the bedside oh my gosh. Scully is not only Mother Margaret, but Scully's sister, Melissa. 
Ah, uh, Melissa. <laughs> what a gem. Yes, I mean, she's quite literally holding a gem, right? She The first time yes. you see her, she is dangling a crystal. Melissa over. listens to the Cranberries. Melissa goes to the Indigo Girls does, concert. Does she think that Scully's a zombie? Maybe, but she is the new age 90s gal mm-hmm. of everyone's dream, wearing a choker with a crystal on it, holding a crystal over her daughter, over her, her sister. And really just practicing that chakra balancing, yeah, on, Reiki on her healing. Star in Darmain Greg, probably a few yes, years from yes, now. Yes, Even yes. though this is not Jenna Elfman, this is a played by an actress by the name of Melinda McGraw. I personally know her from a couple of things. You in do. season two of Mad Men, uh, she was one of, she was Dawn's like main, uh, temptress, I suppose, mm. main partner in that season. She so, does look familiar. Like she's been in a lot of stuff, I yeah, think. Yeah. She played uh, Commissioner Gordon's wife in The Dark Knight as mm. well. So she, she's been, here and there, but she is certainly out there in a certain yeah. manner of speaking. Because she, she says yes. right off the top, like, ah, you must be Fox Mulder. Uh, Scully is talking to me right now. I can talk to her soul. So fun facts about this actress. I read that she what they wrote this role with her in mind because I guess they really liked her. They also wrote this role and a, a, with a desire or an idea to have her be a romantic entanglement with Mulder. Oh, at ooh. some, but they nixed that pretty quickly. Um, and Melissa, then, yeah, and then in real life, she is dating the, or was at the time dating the actor who played Alex Krychek. Oh, so Krychek was in Mulder's life. Mm-hmm. Even when he wasn't there. Yeah. But anyway, so, I mean, Melissa's, you'll see her a, a few more times and she plays a pivotal role at some point and, and she's not a series long regular, but she's like in and out and mm. she is somebody who is like clearly supposed to be the antithesis to Scully. Like Scully is yeah. the science one. Melissa's the new age one. We should also mention that this is when we get our first bit of the abstract inside Scully's brain specifically. Ah, uh, yes. With her comatose state being represented by her sitting in a rowboat that is being tethered to a dock in which the people who are sort of talking to her are standing on the dock communicating to her. Yeah, and I think it's also the... That's again goes back to the representation of the soul. Like mm-hmm. this is Scully's soul and it's currently tethered to the dock, which is her body in the real world. And you know, it might not stay that way. I did notice that I feel like every time we are on the dock, because of course, another big character in this episode is the enigmatic nurse Owens, <laughs> who is this bobbed nurse that already peaks some ears from the very beginning when she tells Scully, you know, with this bedside manner, it's not your time yet. Yeah, and then kisses her on the forehead. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder, you know, the big question of this episode is, who is Nurse Owens? Is she some sort of, like, conduit to Scully's psyche here? Is she the one who's really, you know, yeah. the, the, the big connection between I think people being able to talk to her? Maybe. I think she's supposed to be kind of like an angel. I think that's her. Really? Rem- yeah. I Are think- you an angel? I think she's supposed to be like an angel because she's the one that's like guiding Scully back to her body. She's the one like sort of protecting her, watching over her. They use that terminology a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that that's supposed to be it, whether or not it's coming from Scully or, you know, it's like a, our angel's real. Who knows? But like it's representative of that sort of figure, some sort of guiding light that is not bringing you into the light, but helping you make your way back with that hair. With that hair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about some other new characters to me 
not new characters to the series, but Angela, this is my introduction. I know. Gunman. Wild. I forgot that they had been introduced prior to this. So they, I think, are in the previous episode, which you didn't watch. And then they're also in an episode in season one where they're introduced. And in that introduction, basically, Scully and Mulder go to see them because they're like... The conspiracy theorists of conspiracy theorists. Do they work for the FBI? No, no, no. They're, they're, the lone gunman is their, um, blog, magazine, some Mm. sort of like situation where they're, they're out there spreading the word. They're out there disrupting. Um, and so they, there's an episode in the future, um, that I do have a set to watch, I believe, where it goes into the origin story of the lone gunman. Fun. So I won't give you too much, but, the block thing makes sense because I do yeah. think at one point they say, oh, I went into the lone gunman. And I said, okay, is the lone gunman you or is yeah. the, the block? And they have like, they're basically like a trio that has like different skills. And, and basically they're the ones that are like, they're the dark web to mm. an extent. They're out there finding the info, sharing it with Mulder. But Dana and or Scully and Mulder go to see them in a previous episode to get their help with something. And um it's funny because like they're all like super like gaga for Scully. They think she's like she's hot. Well, because they're supposed to be these nerds. Yeah, right? they're and like they're, nerds. They're, they're talking. They're like Auga. We're gonna spend our Saturday night debating the uh, st- statistical and factual inaccuracies totally. of the movie Earth Two. Yeah, exactly. They're like in the basement watching Earth Two, like. And it just nerding out, playing Dungeons and Dragons, that so, kind of vibe. And so we had, I mean, you were not wrong at all when you drew the comparisons between the one of the guys and Garth from Wayne's World. He is <laughs> yeah, right he there. looks just like him. And we have Frohickey. Frohickey. Which sounds like a terrible type of yogurt. Yeah. Uh, who seems like the oldest one, but also like the most dapper one. I'm assuming he No, wears- he doesn't always wear that. Oh, so he doesn't. So he's, no. he's wearing like a little bow tie suit. He's wearing a bow tie in a suit because, and he's bringing flowers because he dressed up to come see Scully. So he has a, he's holding a candle for her. He has like a little crush, uh-huh. like a cute crush. And so who's the third one? The third one looks like the most regular type of guy. And he is the regular guy, but he's sort of, and I'm not going to, I don't want to give too much away but he like falls in with them and like um is a little bit more like governmenty than than the other two he definitely seems like uh, you know on that he's a normal guy on shows like beauty and the geek or Mm -hmm. king of the king of the nerds when there would be those relatively i don't want to say normal more normalized looking people than what you would think with a stereotypical nerd that's what this guy feels like but either way Mulder sees them due due to some internet hacking on their part. They essentially find out that Scully has quote unquote branched DNA in her. They call it the biological equivalent of a silicon microchip. So Angela, we are back to the idea of genetic engineering essentially. But like you said, it's really open ended as to whether or not this is alien induced or like we saw in the season one finale, if it was government induced. Yeah, exactly. So it's unclear and it's um you know, not going to be clear. <laughs> right. But well, the problem is, either way, it seems like Scully's DNA was messed with during these experiments. Yes. But because it was now left in her system, it's essentially become poison and her immune system is now at critical levels. Yeah, she almost has uh, what's the disease uh, that your dad had? Yeah, my dad had a Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is essentially a disease where the immune system thinks it's under attack at all times. Yeah, so, so something like down. that. Yeah, I will say uh, not not some great flashbacks for me getting to watch someone comatose hooked up to a bunch of wires, but... Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's okay, though. I think that it's something that, you know, we'll uh, we'll make it do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But we're back at the hospital. 
Mulder is sort of making goo-goo eyes at this other weird guy in a suit. If you're on the X-Files and there's a weird white guy in a suit, chances are they're up to something. And indeed they are, because a nurse takes somebody's blood, gets distracted by a code blue, and then as soon as Mulder looks down, that guy's gone and the blood sample's gone. Yeah. But as Mulder runs down to the parking garage to to pursue him, here comes X. There's X. He's there. Um, I think that... You know, it's unclear whether or not he was following those guys and then sort of ran into Mulder or whatever, or was following Mulder. But he basically says, like, let it go. Like, this is not it's like it's a need to know basis and you don't need to know type thing. It's so intense and it's so quick too. this scene feels like it's something out of an Aaron Sorkin action movie where they're so quickly rat-a-tat whispering things while they're like nose to nose. And so sweaty. So much sweat. Listen. I don't know what's in the water here between I thought we were just done but after tombs, but apparently everyone is sweating up a storm on the X-Files. But essentially what X is telling Mulder is he's trying to give Mulder some hard facts, essentially saying, you don't have the heart for this type of stuff. You want to know more. But to doing that essentially requires uh, certainly, I think, leaving part of your soul behind and says, walk away. But Mulder quite literally immediately pursues this guy. I know we got a question from Spencer as to the odd timing about this, where Mulder does pursue this this guy who took the blood, and then he has the conversation with X, and then the per, the chase picks up back up again. Did this guy wait for Mulder? Did Mulder just happen to find him? Again? I, I think he just happened to find him again. I think that like he maybe he was like catching his breath or something. Unclear. <laughs> just taking a water break, waiting for the the chase to go back up. It, uh, Mulder's able to pursue him into, I guess, the laundry room is what they'll call it. Did not look any lo- like any laundry room to me. Granted, I have not been in any industrial sized laundry rooms in. In in uh in industries like hospitals, but it almost looked like you said incinerators at one point, yeah, right? Because they, they were, were like creepy giant, looking, giant vats with red glowing light does not necessarily scream washing machine to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I didn't think it was the laundry room at all. I thought it was where they go to burn the bodies. Well, I mean, they had a body they could have burned real quick because even though Mulder's able to get his guy, X shows up and to show his point of Mulder, you can't handle this. Straight kills this man. Yeah, he was like, bang, dead. <laughs> yeah, essentially saying, oh, you can't do this. You have to be able to do this if you want to know the stuff that I know. Yeah, exactly. And and, and I think he knows that Mulder's not going to do that. Yeah, exactly. So as the situation gets dire, outside of Scully's head, inside Scully's head, things are, are being a bit dire as well with regards to the boat rope snapping, which I suppose at this point is Scully... Starting to move away. Yeah, like, like, she, she needs that mooring. And I think the point that Melissa is trying to make to, to Mulder as well is she needs you. You need to be there for her. And Mulder's essentially saying, how do you know this? This doesn't matter. I have other stuff I need to mm-hmm. pursue at the moment. Yeah. And also, uh, she knows not. I mean, maybe, maybe. Dana Scully has been talking to her sister about their relationship, but like, would she even say like anything that personal? Probably not. But at that point, also, um, we get a nice little '90s uh, throwback cigarette machine. Oh yeah, uh, not not at this moment. Aren't they least. having this conversation in the cafeteria? No, this is later on when they have another conversation. There's a lot of Melissa Mulder conversations. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, can, I can understand that note that you said before about the intentions of, of possibly pairing them together because there are a lot of scenes between the there two. There are, of them. I and think like she's, she's supposed to be like a Scully analog. In this yes, episode. she is, and I think also um, showing him that you know why he does like really loves. 
Scully as a friend and as a coworker is how um, similar but different they are. You know, he's getting annoyed at Melissa. <laughs> so let's talk about Skinner in this episode because we talked before. Yeah, this about- is almost like his one of his coming out episodes. Yeah, because we talked before about how Skinner, I think, was belligerent against people like the cigarette smoking man in previous mm-hmm. episodes, you know, keeping Mulder. Telling him he can't smoke. Exactly. Like- uh, well, he has that here with the, with the thank you for not smoking sign. But even in previous episodes, he's kept Mulder in his job. Uh, you know, he's specifically gone against this guy's yeah, order. Kept it a little bit more like uh, bureaucratic than than fishy, which it is. <laughs> yeah. And Mulder gets called in here to talk about basically what is called the laundry room incident. Mulder's kind of a little asshole here. <laughs> he is. I hate when he does this. It's so annoying to me. He's basically like, well, was there any evidence that that happened? No. Well, OK, you can't get me on anything. Bye bye. I'll, I'll see you in like five minutes when I get busted for something else. Yeah, for sure. And, and Skinner essentially tells Mulder, look. I understand where you are right now. I really liked and respected Scully as well, but this is part of the job. Essentially, he tells him, you need to let go at this point. Yeah. I know this is very traumatizing and emotionally devastating, but you need to move on. Yeah, exactly. You need to just like stop being so, um, personally invested in it because mm-hmm. like in according i think for skinner he's like oh she's just your partner but for Mulder, it's like so much more than that yeah but i find it interesting that skinner's telling Mulder to let go and we get contrasted to one of the biggest scenes of the episode here where scully has now moved from the boat to lying on this pristine sanitized table in the middle of this mysteriously lit room And she's visited by her dad wearing a a military outfit, telling her, you can't let go. You know, he essentially says, I did not consider this idea that life is short and cherish every moment until essentially I died. What I wouldn't trade for one more second with you. This is not your time death is at arm's reach but your time is not over and this is where death he, is at arm's reach i hate when she says that too and this is so weird or when he says that yeah and this and this is where he uh well i, I think yeah this is the it sort of segues into the nurse yes. talk so we can assume that is this nurse owens projecting herself through Mr. i think Sully? i think you need to let the whole like per- nurse Owens I is a project. Answers, damn it. Yeah, like they're separate. It's just it's all part of it, you know. Like Nurse Owens is like her little guiding angel, but now that she's not tethered anymore, she's mm-hmm. almost like going into the light. And mm-hmm. there's somebody in the light that's. I would I would say this is her dad. You think this is her dad? This is her dad appearing to her, saying it's not your time. You need to go back. Like, um, but you know, I, you know, happy to see you. It's it's a really cheerio. I mean, even as somebody who didn't know the context of their relationship or his death, yeah, it's very poignant, and it was very moving to me. Uh, yeah, because you could see her reaction to it. The I think the actor's delivery was really profound as well. This is where he also pulls out the title quote, yes, as well. So it's it's a big, and it got you as a dad, dad, right? It got me as a dad as well to to, to be talking to their child too about cherishing the moments that that you spend together well and i related to this as well because i'm somebody who's i hate when people are like oh they grow up so fast it like drives me nuts because Mm -hmm. like i i'm like him like i i am content being where i am 
like obviously, you know, not to some extent, but <laughs> you know, but when it comes to like being with Asher and being with our kid, it's like, I don't, I'm not thinking about like, Oh, I'm going to miss this so much. You're, it's like, yeah, you're living in the moment. I'm not living in the moment. And like, I'm obviously savoring it, but I'm not one of those people that's like going to, I'm never going to say to somebody, Oh, just, you know, cherish this now because it'll be gone because that's a terrible thing to say to somebody. Like, <laughs> like it's just like, it makes them feel so well, guilty. Only the worst is coming. I think it's so toxic to like motherhood and parenthood to say like, you know, cherish this now. You'll never get this again because it makes you feel guilty and it makes you feel like you're doing something wrong if you don't feel that. And I just think that's bullshit. So but, do you think that's that Scully's dad's guilting Scully to be? No, like, oh, I think he's saying, take advantage of this. No, I think he's saying that he was like that. And then when his time came, came all he wished for was more time Mm -hmm. which i think is a pretty human thing to say and i'll probably feel the same way but like you know uh, during his life he was content and that's what mattered yeah so don't you know you don't know what you've got till it's gone i guess yeah so this is when we get into the cafeteria with another melissa (laughs) conversation and Mm -hmm. this is where with the oddly conspicuously placed cigarette machine in the cafeteria. Yeah, and that totally lady, agree. that actress was like bad, like not I, a good actress. I completely agree. Of all places, do not, especially in the 90s, where this is not the 50s, where <laughs> no. everyone just lights up a cigarette not knowing the consequences. He literally calls him cancer man. Like, people know it causes cancer at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, maybe don't put this in hospital staff. This hospital in general. I, this, honestly, this though, like I remember seeing them when we were younger. I remember seeing cigarette machines like in bars and like pubs and stuff. That, that's fine. I think specifically. Yeah, the hospital. hospital. Yeah, not good. It's not a good idea. Yeah. If you, unless your business is to incur more patients, in which case, serve them up. Why don't you serve up? Like, I think that is fast um, food. As that well. is unfortunately the um, American healthcare or system. Put in, like a break your leg machine, you know? Yeah. But I also think uh, that actress that like goes to the cigarette machine, I'm curious to whether or not you think she was planted there by Skinner. It did seem extremely OTT for her to say, yeah. oh, can you get me money for the cigarette machine? Do you have? There? Yeah, she was either a bad actress or a plant. <laughs> well, because we find out who well, this was Skinner, right? Who ends up planting yes. this note in the cigarette box of this is where the cigarette smoke Also, like lives. very crafty. He had to open that box. How do you get it in there? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, he had like, to yeah, plan it unwrap it ahead of time, had to make sure that no Snoopy people ends up, like, sticking their craw well, into it. Well, so what I think happened is, if she is a plant, she put it in there and said, oh, do you have change of the machine? And then when she reached in to get her box, she said, oh, there's already a box in here. Mm-hmm. Not my brand. It's like, but it, actually, it was in my hand, and I just held and handed it to you. Yeah, though it's interesting, with the Morleys, I thought initially that meant that that was from the cigarette yes, smoking man. I think man, you're supposed to think instead that. Instead of it being for the cigarette smoking man. Yes, I think you're supposed to be confused there and then sort of see that it's the cigarette smoking man he's going to find. And right, but it's, but it's more so aggro out at. Hey, he smokes Morley's, not I smoke Morley's. And so this. Yes, but I don't think you're supposed me. to know that until after he finds the cigarette man. Which he does <laughs> right now, and it is intense. Very. Mulder points a gun at someone for the umpteen time, but I think more than any of the episodes we've seen so far, this is the closest he's come to actually Actually, pulling the trigger. They even show like a nice little close-up of his cuticles. But Cigarette Smoking Man, of course, is still remaining calm, cool, and collected, smooth, and mild. Basically, well, because he said, what, he's watched presidents die, so he's clearly seen worse. He's, yes, he's, not only has he seen worse, but he's a human being that really does not have anything to live for. Like, he is, he lives alone. that's what he says, right? He says no family. No family, no nothing. And he's also just like, his whole life is this conspiracy bullshit, and I think that he just like, 
if that's how it happens, that's how it's set. That's how it happens. He doesn't care. But the thing that really... That's why he smokes so much. He really doesn't care. Yeah, he has really no... He's lived his life at this point, and he has totally. some power, as he says. But the thing that keeps Mulder from pulling the trigger, really, at least from my perspective, is Smoky Man saying, well, if you kill me, you won't know the truth. And you just have to say the T word to get Fox Mulder <laughs> on your side, or at least a, a, a reluctant ally, basically. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I, it's like hard for me because I'm already over him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I really like the standoff because it feels like, again, from my perspective, I haven't seen them come to blows yet. All we've seen is this guy skulk around in all the scenes well, and that the I think, FBI agents. I think that's stuff that I always hate in TV shows where things drag on, and, like, I always feel like the Cigarette Smoking Man stuff is, like, a little bit of a drag. It's a little bit of, like, uh, a... drag on a cigarette? A drag on a cigarette, and also a drag on a story. <laughs> so, Mulder, even though he does relent and not pull the trigger, he's still triggered yes. by this interaction to the point where he types up his letter of resignation. He is just, I think this is him, really, we talked about him hitting rock bottom mm-hmm. last podcast, but I think at this moment, he is flat out ready to leave the FBI. He's ready to leave the FBI. He's ready to go, like, live in the woods somewhere and just, like, I don't know, chop wood and be, like, a woodsman. Well, I think at this point, he sees himself in the cigarette smoking, yeah. man, especially when he, he doesn't says, want to be that. I have nobody. I'm all alone. I just have some power. I wonder if at a certain point, Mulder realized, yeah, crap, if I've just been searching for the truth, this is a guy who knows the truth. And where has it gotten him? Yeah, for sure. And I think also um, I want to point out that Mulder is a terrible typist and he uses <laughs> just his pointers. The 90s. Maybe he doesn't have experience <laughs> on a typewriter or anything like that. He's used to just writing freehand, though. I think we also criticized his handwriting a couple of episodes. Episodes ago. And then this one, when he signs his name and like he signs his name, but the last letter in the name, Mulder, the R is like a capital R. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, maybe that's just how unique he is. He both begins and ends his last name with capital letters. Weird. So this is, in my opinion, MVP Skinner scene. My favorite Skinner scene we've seen so far. Yeah, where, he's amazing. Where here. Skinner essentially walks in. He starts by and we we've, when he, Skinner says things are unacceptable, you just go yes, I agree. It's, it's this thing again of you, like you said, he's the school principal, he's that dad you don't want to disappoint. So when mm-hmm. he says, you know, I respect you enough to know this is not the thing that you want to do, he did talk, I think, in um, Little Green Men about you know being a, a veteran, yes, and so he, he tells did. a story here where he essentially enlisted in the army due to blind faith, and he lost that faith when, similar to Scully's story mm-hmm. from the beginning of the episode. He kills a 10-year-old kid, and he essentially then has an out-of-body experience, which again connects back to the theming of this episode, which allows him to then see the brutality and inhumanity of war and essentially be unafraid of it. And so he's essentially telling Mulder, I stopped myself at that, to not look at and go deeper into just bearing my soul to things. You can... That's why you have to stay on. Well, I think he's not. I think he's saying that he had an out of body experience. He almost died and he saw himself from the ground. He's saying that he's not going farther than looking into that. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying is like, I'm not going to investigate this out of body supernatural experience any further. That's fine by me that that happened, but it's not something that I feel like I can delve deeper into. I'm afraid to say 
what happened there? What is the afterlife? How is my soul tethered to my body? He doesn't want to do that. Oh, do interesting. You, does that make sense? Yeah, I went way too much English yeah, class lit into you this. Did. I was like, what does this represent about no. the perverting, the perversion of humanity? <laughs> okay, Josh. Oh, no, he just, he's saying that he had a supernatural, a paranormal experience where mm-hmm. he was out of his body and basically dead, seeing his body from above. And that experience, he's afraid to look further into that. But Mulder's not afraid. And that's the difference. And And so he basically says, there's a belief in this type of stuff. And maybe I could be get on board with it, but it's not for me to be the one investigating it. It's for you. Right. But you specifically, like you're someone who's capable of doing it. Yeah. Capable of doing it. And also like, but he's also saying like, I do believe you. Like, I think Mm -hmm. that some of this stuff is like, is very far fetched and hard for me to grasp. But like, I do believe you. I died once and saw myself from the ground. Gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. That, that makes a lot of sense. And that's also. You know, if Mulder was looking for another deep throat 1.0 yeah. in terms of a mentor, it does feel like Skinner here, at least telling Mulder, I believe in you, even if you don't believe in yourself. Totally. Speaking of deep throat, let's go to his his contemporary here. X essentially gives Mulder an offer, even though he rebuked him before saying, look, there's going to be somebody stopping by your apartment later tonight. If you want to know who took Scully Go there. Yeah, they think you're out. out, Catch them in the act. They think you're out of town. Here's the plane ticket to prove it. You're going to wait. You're going to kill them. Like, basically, he says you're going to you're going to catch them with terminal uh, force or something. Defend yourself with terminal intensity. (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird. Sounds like a Sheldon Cooper. Also, I think I forgot to we forgot to talk about how the X is also what he does on the window. Now that makes so much sense. Yeah, his his code name. Yeah. So he tape he puts a piece of tape on the window in the in the shape of an X to signal to X that he wants to talk to him. (laughs) But in this scene, he also like tells him he's like, I I come to you. Yeah. Like, you don't call me. You don't signal me because, right, wasn't the thing where he puts the X up in masking tape, like the bat signal, and then X is supposed to put a meeting location in his newspaper? Yeah, or like some sort of signal or something, or he comes and finds him or something like that. But he doesn't do it that one time. So then he's like, no, 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 no. This is my thing. I come find you because I'm using you because I'm the one. You're not the one. So reinvigorated, (laughs) Mulder is staking out his apartment and Melissa stops by for one final chat. Where essentially Melissa chastises Mulder for giving up on Scully, which he he is an amazing. Well, he speaker. she also she also tells him prior to this. I mean, it it was kind of up in the air what was going to happen, mm-hmm. but she tells him like the doctor just called like she doesn't she's weakening like she yeah. could die she's gonna die and so basically tries to tell him she needs you not even right that now. but like you owe it to her to go say goodbye almost you mm-hmm. know it's like you should be with her you know it's like don't you want to go see her she's dying. But he's and so and he does. Yeah, you don't think that he does. But and then it, the next scene is him in the hospital room, which was Scully's hand. Yeah, and I love that reveal. I love the way that he delivers it. It's his Mulder way where he's not he's not touchy feely. No, he's not leaking his heart out. But in a Mulder way, he is very much being vulnerable right now. Even just the very. Act of leaving his apartment and finding yes. out the capital T truth is showing vulnerability. Yeah. And he at the moment when they're supposed to come, he looks at his clock and, and it's past the time when they were supposed to be there. And he's like, then he just grabs Scully's hand and holds it. Yeah. And I mean, it, it doesn't help anything, at least in that moment. So he thinks all is lost, especially when he gets back to his apartment and it's confirmed he he missed his window. Yep. His oh. apartment's been ransacked and man. He missed his window and Scully's still in a coma dying. I did not think we would get this type of performance out of David Duchovny. But the moment where He's he great. 
like sinks physically sinks into the doorway and is sobbing and like heaving is was quite literally breathtaking to watch. Yeah, and I do think that he he and Jillian Anderson are two actors that are capable of this kind of emotion, and then these episodes give them the ability to portray that, and I think that's always really enjoyable from a viewing experience. And it's really indicative to me how Mulder is really at the end of his rope. Because, again, this is someone that we don't really see cry, we don't see come to pieces. The fact that he really feels like all is lost, He's possibly lost Scully, and he's definitely lost the lead on who captured well, her. And that's why I think this was a really important episode for you to watch, because I think that the zeitgeist understanding of the X-Files is this sort of serialized, maybe monster of the week type CSI show where they just solve mysteries. Mm-hmm. They're just there's aliens, maybe. But I don't think people know that it has this like depth of emotional and personal connection. I certainly didn't. And like, I think that that's important to 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 tell people and I think that they would like to watch it because of that and that's what hooks me in is that the the Mulder and Scully and it's not all about like oh will they won't they it's not mm-hmm. that at all no, in this in this point in the series this is just a friendship this is and a camaraderie it's, it's not even it's more than a friendship though it's like a a connection like a soul connection where mm-hmm. it's like they're in this together they're like they're kindred you know they're people who are just like going for something and and there's an unspoken love there that is not not romantic not platonic it's just it's more than that and i think that that's what that brings people in speaking of bringing people in let's bring scully back through she back <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great moment it is horrendous from a production perspective <laughs> yeah. you have this very you're like obscenely clear green yeah, screen and you're setting. the camera view is scully's eyes like right. you're laying down and you're so you're Scully and you're just seeing things come back into focus. Right. It's it's going from these woods into the hospital room. It's just yeah. it's a terrible 90s green screen shot that immediately took me a bit out of it. But so what are we to assume? Who are, who are we to assume took Scully out of this coma? Was it Mulder herself? Her? Was it her dad? No, it's her? her. It's her. So this is just a culmination of everything. Yeah, it's a culmination of everything. I mean, Mulder's talking to her. Her dad's talking to her. Nurse Owens is talking. You know, it's like she had to make the decision to come back, though. So it's all of those things. So Scully is awake. She gets her her really her one speaking scene of the episode. Mulder comes to see her. Everyone's happy. Mulder, of course, has a nice tongue in cheek video as a gift mm-hmm. superstar of the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, basically... Scully gives this really awe moment when she tells Mulder that she had the strength of his beliefs. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, in a manner of ways, had Scully not met Mulder and she fell into this coma, would she have those convictions to bring her back? No, but she also wouldn't have been in the coma because she wouldn't have been abducted by aliens. Obviously, but if she had somehow fallen into a a coma through a different... Yeah, maybe. But maybe she'd have different... I think Scully's the strong person, though. Yeah, but I also think that that informs... This episode is obviously a lot about how Scully has affected Mulder, but I think this line indicates, as we spoke yeah. before, how much Mulder has affected Scully. Oh, too. for sure. I mean, he's completely changed her view of the world and and also her view of herself. Yeah. And of course, as we spoke before, we get this sort of rug pull question mark ending when it turns out, oh, I'd like to, to talk to Nurse Owens. There's not been a nurse Owens <laughs> yeah. here. It's like that joke from Friends where he, <laughs> it's like a movie that he's Joey's going to be in. And he says, uh, uh, she hasn't been alive for 30 years. Would you have rather they gone with that ending than there is no, no nurse Owens? 
Yeah. If it was a ghost. She's been dead for 15 years. If ghosts were talking to Scully. Um, no, because that would just add a whole another layer. But yeah, so I guess like it's it's fun for the audience more than anything to be like, wait, Nurse Owens wasn't real, but we knew. <laughs> so here we are. We're at the end. We're of here. Three episode arc. Still question mark as to who exactly was behind Scully being taken. But the big thing is she back. She back. She back. The X-Files are back up. Yes. Price check is out for the well, moment. Yes, he's, he's gone. Um. So, you know, I guess the next episode in the series after this one is, I think, that uh, just like a standalone Monster of the Week episode. So she's just right back into yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. They just go right back into it. But it's all very, um, you know, like happy stuff. Like they're all like, yay, we're back at it. We're in it. So. Well, next week, we'll see if we're getting into happy stuff. Certainly happier times than I think these three episodes, which were incredibly dramatic. Very bleak. Um, to, and no, it won't be happier times. Oh, well, Sorry. I'm glad to hear that. Well, so next week on The Bloom Files, you know, we had a big wait. Oh, yeah. The next, I for, yeah, I just looked it up, but the episode following this is called Firewalker and it stars, mm. what's his face from the X-Files? Um, Josh. We're, we're watching the X-Files. No, um, from, uh, West Wing. Oh, Josh, Joshua Molina? No, the guy, the character's name is Josh. Oh, Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford is in that one. Oh, um, interesting. So, yeah, but it is, it is just a Monster of the Week episode. And then there's just a bunch of Monster of the Week episode. Um, and then the, the next one we're going to watch is, um, a arc episode. An arc episode. So we are going to jump to season two, episode 17, Endgame. Angela, I'm sad to say I already have sort of been spoiled for this episode. I believe um, Mulder has to travel through time to collect the Infinity Stones to fill the gauntlet so he could wish that Scully never got abducted <laughs> by aliens. Incorrect. It's going to be an interesting episode, uh, especially like you said, yes. after we've sort of gone through a stretch of just typical, more normal fare on the X-Files. Uh, I can imagine that getting back to some of the more overarching mystery stuff, especially in a post-Scully abduction setting is going to be very fun to look at. Yeah, and the next one also is um, features Skinner a little bit more, which I think you'll like, and then it, it is a little bit of a, a hop down the alien uh, alien alley where there's more... Hopping down alien alley! Yeah, and then I think also the other thing to note is this um, features a little bit more about Samantha, Ooh, Scully, or Mulder's I hope, sister. I hope we get more flashbacks. I can't remember if we do or to not. Basketball jerseys and playing Stratego. So we'll talk about that next week. We'll only do one episode because, look, it was a heavy lifting this week with three. But honestly, episodes. I was so jazzed to watch these. I was yeah. just like, I kept asking you, like, when can we watch it? When can we watch it? So we're going to do a, a one off next week with episode 17 of season two, Endgame. Of course, you can send in your thoughts about the episode and any of the episodes that we just watched as well. Well, you can email us either bloomfiles at postshowrecaps.com or even xfiles at postshowrecaps.com. You can also tweet us if you want to. I am at a Mike Bloom type. Angela is at Ange Palagi. And of course, at postshowrecaps in general. We do have a dedicated feed now on the podcatcher of your choice for the Bloom Files. Uh, we would really appreciate it if anyone out there would not only subscribe to that feed, but also rate and review us. This is obviously a newer show, especially in the realm of post-show recaps. So the mm -hmm. more it pops in terms of rating and reviews, Pop. the more new eyes get to be brought to this. And we're so happy to old faces and new that are being brought aboard on this very fun experiment through the X-Files. 
So that's going to do it for this week as we got through three very interesting episodes. We'll be back next week to talk about Endgame. Special thanks to Corey B for his fantastic theme song. Oh, totally forgot. Spook of the week for these three episodes. Oh, um, for all three? I don't know. Do you want to Dwayne Barry. Dwayne Barry. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Dwayne Barry for the first one, Cry Check for the second <laughs> yeah. one, Nurse <laughs> Owens for the third one. Those, those are really good. Those are spot on. I feel like we need to throw Cry Check in there. And of course, we, we can't get through the Dwayne Barry two episodes without Dwayne Barry himself. <laughs> the third person speaking, Dwayne Barry. Yeah. So again, send us your thoughts for Spook of the Week. Any other questions or, or thoughts you might have or X-Files merchandise. We got, we got some great stuff from Matt this week about the X-Files card game, which was very fun. Send us any X-Files thoughts you may have. Uh, but if they're spoiler-filled, make sure to, to put for Angela's eyes only, etc. in the subject line so I know not to look at it. Exactly. But thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week covering Endgame, Season 2, Episode 17. But until then, case closed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.